This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morrison. This week we're recapping another strong showing from the rowing program at the head of the Charles Regatta. Plus, we highlight a pair of cross-country runners who shined at the Bowdoin Invitational and take a look ahead to the big game with interim head football coach Ed Argast. That's coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The football team fell 38-21 to undefeated Williams last Saturday at Garcelon Field. Senior quarterback Brendan Costa threw two touchdown passes and ran for another in the loss. Liam Kelly and Alexander Suni both caught their first career touchdown passes, and Bates cut the deficit to 10 in the third quarter before the Eves pulled away. Interim head coach Ed Argas looks back on the Williams game and looks ahead to the big game this Saturday against rival Colby. Well, Coach, just to start, I noticed, you know, the opening drive, the offense really seemed to have a really nice rhythm. Unfortunately, the field goal ended up getting tipped. But tell me a little bit about the game plan you guys came out there against Williams on that opening drive. Well, you know, we felt that there were some holes in their defense, and we took we were able to take advantage of them. Our problem, our problem as a team is consistency. You know, uh, we do something right once, and then when we call the same play or – Something similar, we don't we don't execute it, and uh, you know our, our execution really the inconsistency of our execution has has really killed us. That's what's lost games for us. I could pull twenty game twenty clips from each game we lost, and you'd say, "Wow, this looks like you guys are going for the Super Bowl," <laughs> you know, and uh, and then I could show you twenty more that are just as big a drop off, and you can't you can't be a consistent winner that way. Is it tougher when you go off script, right? Because I, I assume you guys script the first few plays mm-hmm. like most schools, right? Yeah, and it's not it's not tougher. It's just it's it's a matter of other plays there, and, and there were there were plays there, and, and I thought Coach Patterson called a great game. Um, we put our kids in a position to be successful. It's when they don't execute it that's that's what hurts, you know. And then on the block field goal, I mean, when you look at film like that, is that? Does the kicker need to get higher up? Does the line need to do a better job? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I, there was some leakage inside. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to make some changes on that team. And, and the kick can use a little bit more height. Yeah. A little more elevation. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then, um, you know, looking at this Williams team that you faced, I mean, they shut you out in the first half, but in the second half, that 40-yard touchdown strike from Costa to Kelly, that was a thing of beauty, wasn't that it? Was, that's, that was unbelievable. You know, that's, you know, he'll remember that throw forever. Could we tell his grandkid about that? I mean, that was really impressive. Not many kids can do that, make that throw. And then Kelly hasn't really, he hasn't played or even been on the team the last few years, so he's emerged this year as a threat, hasn't he? Yeah, he's uh, he's coming along. You know, he's finding opportunities, and he's obviously Saturday he took advantage of it. Yeah, it was cool to see him get his first touchdown, also uh, Alexander Suni later in the yeah, game, right? the freshman Suni, yeah, who we think is going to be a really good player. You know, uh, he's going to develop into a really good Good, 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 good receiver, tight end for us. Yeah, for the tight ends, I mean, yeah, obviously it's a spread attack, but you still utilize tight ends. Tell me a little bit about that balance, I guess. Um, to run the ball, you got to have a tight end, I believe. I mean, you, I think you can you can run it without if if your offense is geared that way. But I, I've always leaned towards having a tight end. And uh, at UNE, it's kind of funny. The two years I was, the two years we played full schedules at UNA. The first year we had a blocking tight end. 
and uh, he was the next best lineman. He was probably better than some of the linemen we were starting. So I got talked into moving him to offensive line the second year. We had a tight end who couldn't block, couldn't run the ball for for anything. Mm. You know, I think I think uh, Cole gives us that, gives us that blocking tight end edge, where when you have a tight end that can block, that helps your running game tremendously. Great, and then um, I think. From my point of view, at least up in the press box, a turning point in the game was after you did cut it to 17-7. Williams has a big return, and then on third and one, the running back just goes 36 yards. Uh, I mean, I've seen that happen at lots of levels in college football, right? It's third and short, you're trying to stop, and he goes for a big play. The last time that happened to me, it was on my side. And uh, we had a kid, Corey Harge, at at Central Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And uh, every third and one, he'd take for to the house. You know, uh, he played four and a half games that year, and he rushed for a thousand yards. You know, so you, you get those backs. You know, a lot of people equate the running game to the blocking of the offensive line, and they have a part in it. But the difference maker is a tailback, and we just haven't found that tailback yet. And so, from the defensive perspective, when you're facing a third and one like that, what adjustments do you have to make to make sure that doesn't happen? In the well, future? you just put your free safety deep and say, "Don't let anything get behind you." Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. That's tough. That's that's like the worst nightmare. That's like watching the home run go over the fence, you know. Very true. We got the CBB series coming up. Colby this week at home, the big game, and then Bowden um, at Bowden the following week. You know, you've coached in Maine before, obviously, uh, and you've coached with Bates before. Um, what does this rivalry mean to you? Well, uh, what it means to me is not important. What it means to our kids. Mm-hmm. And, and when you're a student at one of those schools, um, there there is a national rivalry that develops and. Uh, it's a big deal. You know, it's a big deal. Uh, I'm trying to remember my first stint here, if we won it or not. I know we competed. Uh, we competed for it a couple of times, but it's it's an interesting thing to have. And uh, our kids get excited about it. You know, it, it's important to them. And both Kobe and Bowden have gotten wins outside the state this year. In terms of Kobe, what do you know about them in terms of, I mean, Costco is their head coach, and he's a well-known coach in no Maine. No doubt. No yeah. doubt. He's a legend. He's, he's a legend, and, and uh, <clears throat> he'll have those kids prepared to play. You know, uh, I expect a, a tough game. Um, no, no doubt about it. Even though they've, they've struggled at times, I still expect them to show up. And it, this, We were just talking about it before. This is an effort game, not a talent game. You know, it's 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 the effort uh, that's going to win it because it, it's so important. You know. Well, any other thoughts on like points of emphasis this week in practice? I guess you mentioned consistency has been the biggest issue. Um, how do you practice consistency? Well, you just you just make sure that they're doing things the right way all the time, which we try and do. You know, um, it's it's got to be something that they're conscious of, and and I don't know that they've been conscious of it all the time. You know, they think it's, it's you, you show up and you're ready to play and you play, but I don't think you're thinking about, okay, I'll make sure I do this, 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 and this. You know, you're just out there playing. So we get lost the emotion sometimes, which is, which is not good. We've got to maintain our discipline along with our emotion. Especially in a rivalry game, right? No doubt, no doubt about it, yeah. All right, and our guest, thanks so much as usual. All right, thank you, Aaron. The women's rowing first varsity eight placed 
third out of 40 boats Sunday in the Collegiate Eights race at the head of the Charles Regatta. The second Varsity Eight placed 13th in the same race, and the Varsity Four finished a program best eighth out of 32 boats in the Collegiate Fours race. Sophomore first Varsity Eight coxswain Lucy Del Cole and her crew navigated the 4,800-meter course on the Charles River in 17 minutes, 22.05 seconds, and just 5.256 seconds behind Collegiate Eights winner Mercyhurst University, an NCAA Division II institution, and the national runner-up at NCAAs last spring. And Lucy Del Cole is our female Bobcat of the Week. I started coxing my freshman year of high school. Uh, my older sister was, I think, a junior in high school when I was in eighth grade. And she became a coxswain on our high school team, and she hated it. She was like, it's the worst thing ever. Like, don't do it. I don't like it at all. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try it. Like, I'll just see. <laughs> and so I tried it, and I loved it. Um, and we didn't have a lot of coxswains my first year, so I was thrown right into a boat, uh, racing every weekend. And it just kind of came as I did it more often. Um and like right from the first race, I was like, I love this. Like I'm, I'm sticking with it. So your sister told you don't do it yeah. and you just completely. <laughs> and I was it. just like, okay, like I understand, but maybe I'll try it. Maybe I'll see for myself. <laughs> and obviously you love it right away. What was the biggest thing you had to learn kind of? What's the first step almost to get going in that? Yeah. So I started when I was 15, so I didn't even have my license or anything. So I <laughs> learned how to drive a boat before I learned how to drive a car. Um, which was kind of interesting because it's like you have four other people in the boat with you that you have to like, like if you hit something, it's on you. Um, so it's kind of like taking driver's ed, but in a boat and on the water. Um, so first I feel like I needed to learn how to drive the thing. And then once I figured that out, um, everything else just kind of came with like learning the stroke. Like the first few times I coxed, I had no idea what they were doing behind me. I'd just be like, okay, like go ahead do something because in the four you're not watching them but then as I got more comfortable driving it then I learned things about technique and how to improve my calls um and I feel like every year like I learned something new that I've been doing wrong for years interesting and so you touched on the fact that you were in a four in yeah. high school but you had experience on the Charles River before Tell, take us through some of the races you've been on the Charles in your past yeah so I raced the head of the Charles twice in high school um, my junior and senior year. And the time that I raced my senior year was my last race for two years until racing just this weekend, uh, which was kind of nice to have it be the same race and be back on the Charles again. Um, and we would race on the powerhouse stretch in high school, which is the like straightest stretch of the head of the Charles. So uh, we did that race a few times against Windsor and Belmont Hill and just like those schools around the area. Um, so I had some experience practicing there and with the course. All that experience in the fours, you come to Bates and you're in an eight right away, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And Peter maybe didn't know about that. Tell me about your, yeah. your, your transition to the eights. Yeah, so I had coxed eights like a few times before coming here, um, but I was really used to fours. Like my high school was a fours program, um, and that's all I really did when I was in high school. So coming here... I still kind of sit in the eight weird. Like, I don't know what I'm doing exactly. I'm working on being more aerodynamic because I sit, like, straight up, and I, I'm trying to figure it out. Um, but I think that one of the first few weeks, Coach said to me, like, like yeah, Del Cole, you don't look too comfortable in the eight. Like, haven't you been doing this for a long time? I was like, I'm used to laying down, like, 
tucked away in the four. Like, this is a totally different world for me. This past weekend, your first head to Charles in an eight, you mentioned off the air, it was easier almost, right? Yeah, I think it was easier for me. It was also nice being bow number one, so we didn't have to worry about passing anyone. Um, But I just thought it was easier to be able to look over my shoulder without having to, like, fully sit up, like, in the four and look back. Um, And also I like being able to see the rower's blades and being able to see what they need to correct and what's going on in front of me. It's such a massive difference in the four, you're staring straight down this course, Mm -hmm. whereas in the eight, you're actually looking at your rowers. I mean, that's a huge adjustment, isn't it? Yeah, in the four, you kind of have to develop, like, boat feel, so you can feel when things are off, Um, and you can just, like, like, when you're sitting there, you can feel the timing and the rhythm. Um, So I liked being able to develop that first, and now I have that, and then in the eight, I can see them. And can also feel when those things are off. So that's really nice. Well, take us through the race. How'd it go? Were there any, uh, you know, interesting moments under those bridges or anything like that? Yeah. So we started off um, and Wellesley was bound number two mm-hmm. right behind us. And right off the bat, they were fast. And we noticed that immediately. Uh, I think coming through the first time check, they were uh, two seconds off of us, something like that, like right behind us. Um, and so I said to my rowers, we're going to get the inside of every turn, like, if Wellesley tries to pass us and get the inside, they will get ahead of us. So I said, every time before the turn, we're going to put on the pressure and go so that we can get the inside of every turn. And they did it. Um, we did not let Wellesley get ahead of us, which was our big goal. They ended up being faster than us in the end. But every single turn we got on the inside, which was so nice. Um, uh, when I did it in high school, I was bow number like... I think 39 out of 80 or something like that. So it was right in the pack. Like everyone was passing. You were like, it was craziness. There were oars clashing. Um, So be able to have that perfect line every time. Like there are points on the river. There's like a hotel that you point at and then a blue dome that you point at and a tree that people talk about, but I don't really know where it is. It's yellow and you're supposed to be able to find it. Um, but it's funny, we talked to the two Hawksons who graduated two years ago and then three years ago before the race, and they gave us so many tips about the line, and I think that helped us with the race so much, just having like a really straight course and staying on that. Um, it was so nice to just be able to have like the river be our own and like be the first people going through those bridges for the race. And it's got to be really fun for you, because like, the Heather Charles is the ultimate Coxsons race, yeah, isn't it? it was so fun. I really... like. It was just awesome going through. Like I said to them, I'm probably going to stop talking at some point just to focus on where we're going. But it was awesome being able to just steer around the bridges like, and go straight through without having to worry about anyone else. One of the frustrating things, though, is it's not you know a mass start or anything. As you mentioned, you, yeah. you, you go in a certain order. And so even though you never let Wellesley pass you, they still end up being slightly faster. Yeah. That's got to be a little bit annoying, right? Yeah, it's hard because when yeah. you finish the race, you have no idea how you did. Yeah. So it felt like a really good piece for us. Like, we finished and we were like, that was one of our best pieces so far. Um, but afterwards, we were just like, okay, like, we thought it was good. Like, but they were right behind us that whole time. Um, and then bow number 11, which was Mercyhurst, mm-hmm. they ended up winning, which was crazy. I think that they probably passed so many boats in the middle. Um, but we didn't even see them the whole time. Right. So you can't even, like, base it off of them. And then take us back to when you were looking for colleges. What made Bates the place for you? Um, I, my dad went to Bates, so he was like wanting me to look at it. 
Um, and I was talking to a bunch of different college coaches for rowing and just like looking at schools in general. Uh, and at first I was like, I really want to go somewhere warm. Um, I was like, I'll go somewhere south. Like, it'll be nice. Get out of New England. Uh, and then something changed. I don't know what it was, but all of a sudden I was like, I'm going to start looking at schools in the New England area. Uh, and I talked to Coach Haley, who isn't here anymore, but she was an amazing resource just like telling me about the team. I came and saw a practice, and the thing that I loved that they did was we did um, comparisons where they switched two rowers, did a piece, mm. and then like switched another two rowers to see who was faster. Um, and I think they did like three or four pieces. And then on the last one, she had them pull together and go side by side. I was like, oh, my gosh, they're doing another one. And instead of switching, she had them high five the person who was in the other boat and, like, give them a hug and say, like, great job. And we do that at the end of every seat race. Like, they pull together and say good job to the other boat. And I loved that. It was so, like, I leave everything on the water. Like, we're a team when we get off the water no matter what happens. Excellent. And then last year, obviously, a, a very strange year. There was mm -hmm. no Heather Charles last year. It was your first year at Bates. And in the spring, they, you know, obviously the Bobcats had very experienced yeah. coxswains already. And so what was that like for you kind of waiting your turn almost? Yeah, um, I was practicing. I ended up on the launch some days. Like, we weren't even practicing that often. Right. And it was fun. Like, we made a really fun last week of it. Like, we did, like, Bobcat Olympics, like, stuff like that. We were doing, like... There was one practice where we had to sing the whole practice instead of, like, speak our calling, um, which was funny. Like, it was fun, and we made it really fun, but it was weird not racing. Like, it was weird practicing for the whole spring just to not compete, but the 1 and 2V were competitive with each other, and then the 3 and 2V were competitive with each other. So it was, like... We knew that we were pushing the boats ahead of us to be the fastest that they could be, which was really good. So were you 3V then last year? No, I oh. was in the 4 and 5V oh, last okay, year. okay, okay. Yeah, switching off on those. But there's another coxswain who's abroad right now who was in the 3V. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. And so going from 4 and 5V just practicing to being in I charge know. of the first bar C8, what's that adjustment like? It's crazy. It's totally <laughs> different. Um, I saw the two coxswains who were the 1 and 2V last year mm -hmm. ahead of the Charles, and I was like... I never thought, like, I would be here now. Like, this was you guys last year. Um, but it's so exciting being able to have that opportunity. I was really excited to race um, and just, like, get back on the river again. Great. Well, any other thoughts you wanted to share about the past weekend that we haven't got to talk about yet? We had a really good race, and our lineups had only been set for about a week and a half, I think. Um, so we were really excited to just put down a good race with, like, the group of people that we had. All right. Lucy Duckle, thanks so much. Thank you. On the men's side, the first varsity eight finished fifth out of 39 crews in the collegiate eights race, the second best showing in program history. Meanwhile, the second varsity eight finished 25th in the same race, and the varsity four finished 16th out of 40 boats in the collegiate fours. Senior Cox and Evan Saltman led the 1V down the course in style on Sunday, and he is our male Bobcat of the week. You had Cox at the head of Charles before, but it was in high school, so what was the difference this time around? Uh, well, in high school, I was, I was in a four, uh, so this year I was in an eight. And I think the big difference is in a four, um, steering's a little bit easier uh, because you're sitting at the front of the boat. You can see everything ahead of you. There's no blind spot, uh, whereas in an eight, uh, you have eight guys sitting directly in your line of view right where you want to go. Certainly. Well, what a performance by the men's rowing team, first of all. Fifth, just an outstanding performance, second best in program history. 
Peter was saying before that the guys have been very laser focused on this race. What was it like from your perspective? Um, I had spent a couple weeks studying. Uh, There's so many excellent videos, not just live videos of, of coxswains and rowers going down the course, uh, but also videos of coaches and coxswains um, breaking down, just going through step by step, looking at maps, uh, doing that for you. And I, I spent a lot of time watching videos. What are some key takeaways you got from that? Uh, put your oars over the buoys. Take the shortest line. Um, and, yeah, have a crew that believes in you. So for the women, they were at, at bow number one. But the men, you had to start um, a little bit further down the road. So what was that like? Were there other boats in your way, kind of? Yeah, so we were bow number 17. Yeah. Uh, there were boats uh, ahead of us. Uh, we, pa- we ended up passing three boats, and the rules of the Charles dictate that the, the boat that's passing, uh, so the overtaker, uh, has right of way. So you can, you can tell them to yield, mm. which, which comes in handy. <laughs> so that wasn't funny for you to be yelling for the yield, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's not only is it fun for me, but it's fun for the rowers. It really gets them going. Certainly. And so um, were there any particularly challenging moments throughout the race? Um, Putting oars over, over the buoys is difficult. We don't really get to practice that here because we don't have a set of buoys like, like the Charles, which is a buoyed course. Um, as, uh, it, the buoys dictate the boundaries. Um, as well as passing, I think the, the first pass I did was on BC, uh, Boston College, and uh, that was down what's known as the powerhouse stretch uh, where there are two bridges. Uh, and it was just, I squeezed him a little. We both squeezed each other. Uh, so it was a little messy, but, but we got it back under control once we passed them. I think that was the most difficult part for me. And speaking of passing, you know, big-time programs, I mean, Bates finished ahead of Hobart, Michigan, Williams. What does that mean to you as a senior here? It, it meant a lot, uh, especially passing uh, Williams uh, and other schools that had beaten us in the spring. Um, now we know we're fast. We're coming back hard. All the work uh, over the summer has, has really paid off, and, and we came back and we killed it. This type of race is pretty different from what you will be racing in the spring, but what, what things can you take away from it? Uh, I, have a, I now have a crew that I have complete and utter faith in, and they have complete and utter faith in me as well. Uh, we, we believe in each other, and, and I think it, it goes beyond just raw strength, but the mentality that we now have, it, it speaks a lot. And I know last spring the team did get to compete at IRAs, but it was under weird circumstances, I'm sure. Um, did you get to go to that? Or? I, I, was, I, I was there as a spare, so I wasn't racing. Okay, so what lessons did you take away from that experience as a spare that you're applying this year, maybe? Being there for the team. I was there just as a support figure uh, to do whatever they needed. Well, did it make you hungry to come back as a... It did. As, as, yeah, it, it, it definitely did make me, make me hungry to come back and... Yeah. To see that level of racing, what's that like for you? See, seeing the, the really big guys, like, watching U-dubs go down the course with, like, eight Olympians in the boat. It was just like, oh, man, uh, we're, we're here, and we get to race them a bit. And, oh, that's cool. Um, these guys have, have put in a lot of work, and they're almost inspiring uh, in, in that type, in that sense. Well, and then also, I believe the IRAs are adding a Division Three race. Uh, this They were supposed to do it last year, but I think they're going to really do it this year. So is that kind of in the team's mind right now? Yeah, so, so they added uh, a complete Division Three. So now we, we, don't, we no longer get to race the big guys, um, but we have our own separate championship now, which, which I think is a good goal for us. What's the team like right now? What's the dynamic with this team? I mean, it's obviously rowing, it's a big roster, but you, you're working with you know, eight guys specifically, I suppose, right? Um, this, this team, uh, we have a lot of seniors and we have, we have a lot of really good experience on this team. 
And coach has been pushing us for four years. And we're, I think we're, we're at that spot where he wants us to be. Uh, we know we can always get better. I was curious about the environment at the head of Charles. I've always wanted to go, but there's always conflicts and stuff. What's it like from your perspective of that environment? Um, it's a huge event uh, on land, tons of vendors, tons of distractions. <laughs> um, it's kind of a race where I, I, it, I'm always calmer on the water. Um, of course, then you're dealing with a lot of boat traffic, um, but it's it's pretty regulated in that sense. So we get we get on the water, um, we go warm up. We have to row the entire course backwards to the warm up area. Oh, okay. Uh, and then in the warm up area, we can do a couple laps uh, before we race. And there there's a lot of boats on the water, so you just have to keep an eye out. So your launch is at the finish line. Yep, right at the finish line. So what's it like? kind of going the course the opposite direction was just, uh, I mean, you're, that's a long way to go to kind of think about what you're about to do, right? Um, yes, but it's also really good to help visualize what you're about to do. Um, like watching video, it, it's good, uh, but there's nothing like actually being there. And even though you're doing it backwards, uh, you can still see, oh, hey, here's this arch. There's an angle that I want to take. So, yeah. It's got to be really fun as a coxswain, right? I mean, this is your race, right? Oh, oh it, it, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I, it, it's a lot of fun as a rower. It's a lot of fun as a coxswain. Uh, but you always have one foot in the coach's launch uh, you're in, because you're in charge of safety. So mm. that, that any coach will say safety is the most important thing. Uh, bring everyone home in one piece. <laughs> Obviously, a top five finish doesn't hurt. I mean, going forward, what do, you, what do you think that means for the program to get that top five like this? Um, it meant a lot mentally. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I said earlier that all the work over the summer has paid off. Uh, we have one more week of this season, and then we go into winter season where we look to do the same, get uh, bigger, faster, stronger, uh, and then come back in the spring and uh, do it again, although over a shorter course. <laughs> there you go. Evan Saltman, Bobcat of the Week. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. The nationally ranked cross-country teams sent some of their younger runners to the Bowdoin Invitational over the weekend, and the Bobcats controlled the event, with the women finishing first out of four teams and the men finishing first out of three teams. Sophomore Corinne Kohlenberg ran a dominating race, taking first place out of 31 individuals in a time of 26 minutes, 16 seconds, on Bowdoin's six-kilometer course. Kohlenberg led a bait sweep of the first three places, and Bates' top seven runners all finished inside the top 13. Well, Corinne, first of all, just tell me about the race there at Bowdoin. Obviously, you got first place, so that was exciting. How did, how did it go from your perspective? Yeah, it was a really fun race. I think um, right from the start, our team just went in with a really positive attitude. Um, there were, only I think, only 10 of us there, uh, and we got to fit in a van together, and we were singing the whole way. Had some Hamilton soundtrack going there, and I just showed up like, with a really good mindset and I think it definitely helped carry through the race and definitely felt the love from my team. Terrific and uh, obviously you're a sophomore right so you yeah. got to run a little bit of track last year not a lot so yeah, what was that what was that like training and getting ready for your first cross-country season? I was so excited um, last fall definitely felt strange because um, cross-country is my favorite mm. season and I was definitely ready um, it was good to have some extra time to train but uh, this summer, I definitely felt like I had more motivation knowing that we would actually have a way to track our progress with the meets. Terrific. So you're from Maine, right? So tell us about growing up. When did you start running? Um, good question. Uh, so my mom and dad have both coached running for a long time, and I have two older siblings um, that I followed along at uh, cross-country and track meets most of my life. So 
I, I pretty much started running as soon as I could walk. Uh, I got involved with USATF summer track program first. Um, I think I might have been four when I started. Um, and then I started cross country in elementary school and have done it ever since. Uh, we don't have indoor track at my school though, so I did Nordic skiing in the winter. Um, but other than that, have done running ever since. That's Mount Blue, right? Yes, Mount Blue High School. What was it like running at Mount Blue, and then when did you decide Bates was going to be the place for you for college? I absolutely loved running at Mount Blue. Um, it definitely helped shape a really healthy relationship with running for me, um, and helped me train not only physically, but helped me get the mental aspect down. Um, and I, I got to have my mom as my coach in high school. And a lot of people ask about that, but um, it was such a great experience and it was so fun to have her there through it all. Um, and what really inspired me to come to Bates was um, my sister Addie, uh, class of 16, came here eight years before me and I got to watch her experience and hear about how much she loved the school. Um, I think it was actually the last school I toured and I wasn't sure if I'd end up here, but I did an overnight here and I really enjoyed my time here and meeting the team, so I'm I'm glad it ended up this way. And Addie ran here? Yeah, she did. Okay, so what she tell you about Coach Jay Harsh and what to be prepared for, right? She's like, uh, you can't expect having your mom as a coach. Like, it's definitely going to be different, but it's definitely a good experience to have two different coaching experiences there. Um, but yeah, uh, one thing that's really cool about um, Jay's coaching approach is that because we have so much depth in our team, we're allowed to do like lots of our workouts in packs, which I didn't have that experience at Mount Blue since our team was a lot more spread out time-wise. So that's probably one of my favorite things is always having a big group in workouts and really working together with the other girls on the team. And this past weekend was a chance for you to, to lead a race. I mean, that must be a, been a pretty cool experience just kind of setting the pace, right? Yeah, for sure. I, I wasn't expecting that going in, um, but yeah, it was, it was good to start it with um, my teammates Jenna and Elizabeth right at the front with me um, and to feel their support all the way through. So what's this group like, this team? Because it's a big team and there's a lot of depth, isn't there? Yeah, I think we have like 31 girls maybe plus a few studying abroad. So um, it's pretty cool how we can split off and still have so much depth without our top runners present. Um, and it just allows like a lot of space for bonding. I feel like we've gotten a lot closer the past few weeks, um, be having more concentrated groups. And Jill Richardson's been the top runner for the team all year. She's also a Mainer. Did you get to run against her in high school? I did, yeah. We were both in the KVAC conference, and I would always see her as like my main mentor and like always keep an eye on her. And it was really fun because she was actually who I got to do my overnight with um, when I was. Uh, inquiring about Bates as a school and she was so incredibly sweet and I was happy to know that um, she's just such a good person on and off the line. Yeah it must have been good to see that there was someone who you know also for Maine who you competed against before running at Bates right? Yeah for sure and it's been so much fun to get to know her more mm -hmm. and because I, I knew her a little bit in high, uh, yeah, in high school but now now we're friends so it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, any other thoughts you wanted to share about this past weekend? Yeah, I'm just really proud of everybody on our team, and um, it's like it's tough, like being in college. Like everybody here is so good, and sometimes uh, you forget that big scope. And I'm just really proud of everybody. And there's been a lot of improvement in every level of our team. So I'm really, really happy to be a part of it.
Awesome, Corinne. Thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcats. Really appreciate it. Thank you. On the men's side, first-year Krishna Kakani led a bait sweep of the first nine individual finishes, covering the eight-kilometer course at Bowdoin in 26 minutes, 44 seconds, to lead the Bobcats and the field, 1.8 seconds ahead of runner-up junior teammate Gabe Coffey. Well, Krishna, first place at the Bowdoin Invitational for the Bobcats as a team and for you individually. Just take us through the race a little bit. What was working out there for you uh, running out there on the course? Uh, yeah, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, and yeah, about the race, like I think uh, we had a great pack in the um, in the front, um, led by Gabe Coffey and Calvin Capel, and um, just feeding off of those guys in the front. Um, and, yeah, Tim was also in there too. You know, feeding off those guys in the front, um, it really makes the the race a lot more easier, um, especially running with not only with people but like your teammates, the people you practice with every single day. So. Um, yeah, just feeding off their energy in the front, and uh, that really made the, the race a lot easier. So, yeah. And it was one of the meets where you know some of the younger guys like yourself got a chance to maybe lead the pack, not necessarily something you got to do at other races. What was it like for you, from your perspective? Um, it was just a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I had a really, it's, I've not really ran that many AKs before. Mm. Uh, it's the second AK I've ran. Um, so I really don't know much about the sport of collegiate cross country. So running with um just just going with a just an open mind and just racing the best i can um is really all you can ask for so yeah awesome well take us back to you know when you were a kid growing up when did you decide you wanted to start you know competing in cross-country races so yeah i started running uh ninth grade of high school um and i knew nothing about the sport and i owe a lot of credit to my uh high school coaches coach edwards and uh, coach bright um, those guys really, really paved and really told me uh, how to become a great runner um, and really instilled those values in me, and which I've carried to uh, Bates. So I owe a lot of my uh, credit to them. So, yeah. So, yeah, when you were looking at colleges, what made Bates the place for you? Bates made the place for me, um, just, the, just the people, honestly. Um, what really caught my eye was how nice people were here um, and how accepting they were. Um, and. Uh, what also really caught my eye was how like underrated this team is. We have an enormous amount of depth in this team, and so uh, when I was looking for schools, I was looking for good training partners, great people who I can connect with and also push me in practices, so yeah. What, what point in high school did you start kind of looking at colleges with the mindset you wanted to run when you got there? I'd say junior year mm -hmm. is when uh, I started taking the sport seriously. Um, and yeah, when I was talking to Coach Fresh, who recruited me here, um, he really, like, he was basically my coach Edwards and coach Bright and my old school. So, um, just, he was, really had the same values and he really wanted, uh, the best, uh, for his program. And I really, and, like, really appreciated that. So that, that was really the big factor in why I decided for base. Yeah. You mentioned eight Ks, something you hadn't run really before in high school and whatnot. Was that the biggest adjustment to the college level coming in? Uh, was the disc just the pure distance? Yeah, um, I think the pure mileage, just yeah. how we're training um, in practices, it's uh, day and night different than high school, right? Um, and just a 5K to 8K, that's a totally different race. So, um, yeah, it's in the 5K, you blink and the race is over. In the 8K, you're two miles in, three miles in, and you're really trying to, like, find yourself. And the race really starts at the fourth mile, right? So um, that was really the biggest adjustment. Um, I think it's more uh mentally uh uh stressful for me uh transitioning from high school to college but um like i said like the guys here are super 
great and they've given me especially the seniors on this team they've given me a lot of advice um, on how to approach the 8k as opposed to the 5k and um, how to bring the best out of myself so I will yeah so thank you seniors <laughs> yeah well I was talking to one of, some of, the, one of the younger guys a few weeks ago Andrew Motter and he mentioned that um, some of the guys on this team run crazy amount of distances per week and whatnot where do you try to find a balance there in your training uh, that's a good question um, I like to uh, leave some left in the tank for the next day or yeah and uh, just following that philosophy of where you're you're pushing yourself at like at a good effort um, but you're not going a hundred percent every day and uh, you're taking the easy day super easy and you're training you're doing the workouts and you're just listening to what the coaches are saying and um, just trust the trust the process yeah and now I know a lot of cross-country runners run track as well, and vast majority. And is that something you're going to be doing here as well? For sure, yeah. I'll yeah. be running uh, indoor and outdoor track. So. Any idea on what events yet? <laughs> uh, uh, honestly, um, I'm open to really anything from the, from the mile and up. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be interesting, uh, 5,000 meters on the track or maybe 10,000 meters on the track. But uh, really just um, eyeing for the mile and 3,000 right now. Awesome. Any other thoughts you wanted to share about this past weekend and your time at Bates so far? Um, it was. Uh, I really enjoyed this race uh, at Bowdoin. It was um, really fun uh, because uh, it was just a testament to, like I said, the pack that we had, um, and um, just just how like how many guys are able to run so well, and you're able to run with them in the front. And so, yeah, I, I owe a lot of credit to my teammates. So thank you guys. The soccer and field hockey teams fell to Williams over the weekend. But by the time you're listening to this podcast, they will have had a chance to bounce back against Colby this Tuesday with all three teams hosting the Mules in their respective regular season finales. The field hockey and men's soccer teams will both make the NESCAC playoffs if they beat the Mules. And next time on the Bates Bobcast, we'll recap the big game for the football team against Colby and see how our cross-country teams do Sunday at the NESCAC Championships. All that and more next time on the Bates Bobcast. Mates, mates, my family, my